Kathy Stringer, we are live. Please do not Hi. swear. <laughs> How are you doing? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, very well. Welcome to the Rockman podcast. First time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no it's worries. such a pleasure. First um, female as well. Really? Well, yeah, we, well, <laughs> I don't know many females, so... <laughs> <laughs> Other than my wife, yeah, you're the only other one, I think. <laughs> well, have me on as many times as you like, because I can talk. <laughs> yeah, no, you've said that. You said, Didn't you say you lost your voice talking recently or something? Yeah, I lost my voice. I'm actually still a bit croaky now, to be honest. Um, yeah, I lost my voice at the weekend, doing too much celebrating. <laughs> bit of singing, bit of karaoke, bit of shouting? Uh, yeah, so, it, well, it started on a bike ride. Obviously, you have to shout when you're on a bike ride. And I was riding for about four hours. So it started to go a bit hoarse after that. And then, yeah, lots of singing in the after in the evening in Manchester. So, yeah. And, well, not to give anything away too soon, but we'll, we will touch on the reason why you're celebrating. Um, <laughs> if people don't know already, Jesus, where, where have you been? Why aren't you following Kathy's and Rockman's posts? But um, <laughs> if you're not aware, we will touch on that. Um, now, before we start, I've got a couple of public service announcements for the blog, uh, for the podcast. So for those who don't know, Rockman is a mental resilience uh, focused running movement for those with a deep desire to push their limits, forge unbreakable resilience and improve their health and well-being. We provide the information, tools and support to inspire action to overcome the most intimidating challenges possible in running, fitness and life. <gasps> the aim of this podcast is to offer up. Sign up if you haven't already. Sorry, what was that? I said sign up if you haven't already. If they haven't already, what the hell have they been doing? <laughs> exactly. Rockman.co.dk, sign up. So <laughs> the aim of this podcast today is to offer up some insight and information on pushing our limits and hopefully inspiring others to go out and push their own limits in order to improve their own resilience, fitness, health and well-being. If you'd like to be notified of new podcast releases, be sure to hit the subscribe button or the follow button. And if you take some uh, genuine value from this podcast, please be sure to give us the thumbs up or leave us a review. There's no money behind these podcasts. They're totally free. So we rely on likes, shares, comments, reviews, and subscribes to grow the audience. So any interaction is greatly appreciated. <gasps> done. Yes. Oh, that well, is done. Um, we are so now... five minutes after the podcast now. I know it's a, it's a big one, but it needs to be said. <laughs> People need to be aware. Um, so again... Kathy, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the Rockman podcast. Oh, um, for people who don't know, mm -hmm. if you could do it um, a little pitch, one minute or less, oh, who is Kathy Stringer? So, God, do you know what? I actually, I, I hate saying things like I'm a runner or I'm a cyclist because to me it's still just a hobby, but I have to get used to saying it. So I am a dual athlete and that involves running and cycling. I started off as a runner, so from the age of nine, I joined a running club um, and I competed in running all the way up until university. And then shortly after university, I got my first road bike. That's when I took up cycling. So that was about four or five years ago now. Um, and then I decided to combine the two. And ever since, I've been competing in lots of duathlons. Um, and this year, I actually tried my first triathlon as well. So I think technically I can say I'm a triathlete too. I think if you've done one, you can kind of say you've, you've got that title. Um, but yeah, so that is me in a nutshell, really, with in terms of my like fitness uh, achievements and things. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're now a triple threat, as they call it, running, yeah. cycling and swimming. I wouldn't say I'm a threat in swimming yet. 
Uh, hopefully will be one day, but yeah, swimming is not a threat if you're in the pool next to me. So for people that don't know, what I know it's du- duathlons or duathletes, it, it's obviously running and cycling, as you've said, but how, how would like a, du- uh, a duathlon race work? How does, how, how, what does it look like? So very similar. I think most people would know the format of a triathlon and a duathlon is very similar, but you don't have the swimming, you have an extra run. So you do a, a longer run. So the sprint distance is 5K, standard distance is 10K. Then you transition onto your bike and sprint is about 20K, I believe. Standard distance is 40K. And then the final run, so you do another transition into a final run. And for sprint, it's two and a half K. For the standard, it's five. So I tend to do the standard distance. So I do a 10K run, a 40K bike, a 5K run. If you were to do a sprint distance, it's a 5K run, 20K bike, two and a half K run. So it's it's half the amount on the second run than first, which is very nice. <laughs> um, what what kind of By the time um, you get to that second run, you're very pleased you've not got to do the two laps and just one. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But um, what kind of surfaces are you on? Are these um, trails or is this road and track? Um, I'd say the majority in the UK tend to be tracks. Um, I, a lot of the competitions I do are closed road. So they're actually around, um, you know, like race circuits where like cars and motorbikes would be. So you literally will run around the circuit, jump on your bike and you pretty much bike what you've just ran. Um, I have done a couple where they've been on open roads. So we've actually ended up kind of running, you might be on a trail, um, but I'd say, yeah, I'd say the majority of the time you'll be on some sort of hard surface. Um, the only one duathlon I've done this year, which was a trail, was the Snowman Duathlon in Wales. And um, it was in Snowdonia, hence the name Snowman. And um, I actually went over on my ankle. So I've not done a trail duathlon since. I'm sticking to the hard surfaces. Yeah, and that wasn't too long ago. I remember the the post, it was, uh, you found it particularly gutting, right? Oh yeah, it was, it was really hard actually. Um, because at the time I, I was almost at my peak. I was, I was really, really fit felt great, uh, was doing really well on my running. And I was on to, well, I was kind of coming into transition as first female. And I'd navigated down about 800 meters of just like a sheer drop of a mountain, you know, over all the rocks, all the boulders, <clears throat> got down. And it was as I hit the carpet, basically there were triathletes competing on the same day. And so where they came out, they'd carpeted the, the, the track and the carpet was covering up all of the rocks and think you couldn't see what was underneath so i put my foot down thinking it'd just be solid underneath and actually i went over on a rock and um yeah like really sort of well twisted my ankle really badly had to have it um wrapped up and that was you know only a few months ago and i knew straight away straight away i thought this is going to affect my training for the world and that's that's why i was so gutted because i was just you know i was doing really well at that point and that set me back a good month. I couldn't run on my, my foot for a good month. So it all was in the gym, yoga and cycling. Um, I was just really pleased that I had those to fall back on. So, yeah. Mm. But, yeah that, that's, that's actually when I took up the triathlon because I was able to swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was obviously no impact. So that's actually how I got into the triathlon in the end. Oh, so the, every cloud and all that. Every cloud, got, yeah. 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 Silver lining. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. You, you touched on it there the, the world obviously so oh, yeah. at the, at the start you you introduced it and said yeah I don't really think myself as a duathlete it's more of a hobby but you say it's a hobby but tell us Kathy at what level are you at in this 
hobby? <laughs> uh, so at the moment, well, this year I competed for Team GB in the age group uh, World Duathlon Championships. So um, I was in the age group 25 to 29. I'll let you all believe that I'm at the lower end of that age group. <laughs> um, and yeah, should I, spoiler alert or no? Yeah, no, come on, yeah. tell the guys, they're gagging the mill. <laughs> okay, spoiler alert, um, I, yeah, I came second, but I didn't just come second in my age group, I actually came second overall, uh, which never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd ever go to the world championships and come second overall um and yeah i'm just unfortunately the girl who beat me was in my age group so um because the 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 competitions are all done on age group so even if 10 people have beaten me if they weren't in my age group i'd still have got the gold medal um and that's kind of how age group competitions work and so it was so unfortunate she was in my age group if she'd have been like a year older she'd have been in the age group up but yeah yeah i mean so, like um, but yeah, so sil silver medal, which I've actually got here. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, on. Bling, bit bling. of bling, bit of bling. <laughs> and actually, what's great is only this bit of the medal is silver. Um, so like just that little bit there. So when we were having our pictures with it, it the medal ceremony was done at night, and you couldn't tell on the pictures who had gold, who had bronze, and who had silver because they all just look blue. So yeah, it's quite so nice. as long as you're in the center, then you're going to look like you're, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. the first, must be way in. Like, right, are you, are you going to put it on? Are you, are you going to wear it for the, rest of the podcast? Yeah, second Aww. in the world, man. Oh, I love that. Second in the world at duathlon. Yeah. yeah. Um, unbelievable. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, never ever thought that I'd sort of even, even put GB kit on. Um, and yeah, to get a silver medal um, is, yeah, it's just unbelievable, to be honest. I still can't believe it. And the medal is quite heavy, so it's nice to wear. Yeah, no, it's absolutely incredible. So like, how long of a journey was this? Because you, this was the second time you competed at the Worlds. If you want yeah. to sort of uh, tell us, how did you do at that point? And then how long was it? Because we, we had a, a massive pandemic in the middle of it, didn't we? So how mm. did that affect things and like delay time? Yeah, so the, the last time I competed in the Worlds was in 2019. That was in Pontevedra. And I went there with zero expectations. I'd qualified for GB, so I knew obviously I was at a pretty good standard, but I went and just thought, never thought I'd, I'd get to this level. Just go out there, enjoy yourself. And I came away with a bronze that time. And I was self-coached at that point. So it was after that that I thought, Do you know what, if I really put more effort into this and I invest in the coach, um, Paul Ryman, just give him a little plug. Uh, then I thought, you know, I can I can try and do better. And I, I I did really want the gold medal this time, but unfortunately it wasn't quite meant to be. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, so that was a couple of years ago. And before that, I'd say it took me around two, two to three years to get to that point. So I did, I should have got the dates ready. I think my first duathlon was in 2016. So actually, oh, so it must have been three years to get to the world and then another two to get to this one. So yeah, probably a five year journey. Mm. Um, but I, my biking, I, I really wasn't very good on the bike. I had an accident when I was a kid and I went over on the handlebars and actually had to have seven stitches in my chin down here. And after that, I was like, I'm never ever gonna get on a road bike. I couldn't deal with the drop handlebars. The thought of clipping in was like the most terrifying thing. And yeah, just a bit of practice. And I was almost hooked immediately. Absolutely loved the freedom of getting out on my bike. And um, 
And then, yeah, I went to do my first duathlon, won my age group at the first event. And obviously I'm, I'm super competitive. So if I win something, I'm like, right, well, I'm going to go and try and win the world. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, just, just took it a lot more seriously. Just actually started taking my training really seriously. Up until that point, as I said, I'd only ever taken my running seriously. Biking was always just like a commute or a bit of fun on the weekends. And um, at that point, like, I got a turbo trainer so I could train indoors during the winter and, you know, carry on throughout those months. And yeah, it all all started to pay off. And then in at the beginning of 2020 was when I got my coach. And obviously then the, the pandemic came shortly afterwards. And actually, I'd say it sort of helped me in some ways because as an age group athlete, you obviously you work full time alongside your full time training. And to balance the two plus life and everything else, it was hard, is hard. And during the pandemic, obviously your social life was taken away from you. And all of a sudden it was just you work and you train. Um, I also got put on furlough. So it just opened up my days, you know, were just free to, to go off and do my training. So yeah, I think that's really, really helped me in the last couple of years. Furlough life, COVID helped. It yeah. Blessing in disguise. <laughs> I know. I feel, you know, I feel awful for saying it because I know <laughs> people had really hard lockdowns. Um, but for me, my exercise, my sports, my training, it was my get out. You know, like you were allowed to go for bike rides, you were allowed to go for runs. And so that was the time of day where it was like, I'm free. I, I, I can get out and do what I want. It was, yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, um, it, it paid off for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole COVID thing, I've, I, I felt that as well. It was, it was fantastic. Like it's, it's the only opportunity I think most people are ever going to go in there, get in their lives of a, yeah, I mean, yes, it was a bad circumstance, but like to make the most of it, you've got a, a chance to really work on you. You've got a yeah. block period, a good couple of months. You know, I think most people are off work. Myself was off work um, for a while and you could either sit there and, you know, worry and not use the time and let time pass and realize, what have I done with it? Or you could actually get your head down and have, make an impact, you know? Yeah. So yeah, 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 definitely. And I've spoken to so many people who have all said, they're like, yeah, God, if I could just have a month every year of lockdown life, they're like, I think I'd just be a happier person because you can just get so much done. And like, like you say, just concentrate on you and all the things that you put off and you say, oh, I haven't got time for that. I can't do that. All of a sudden you've got the time to do it. And you really feel like this sense of achievement. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny, like a lot of people, I think when they reflect back, they think, God, yeah, that that time, actually, at the time it was like, oh, this has never happened. This is scary. What's going on? We're worried, you know, it, and, it, and it was worrying. But then actually, when you reflect back and everything's sort of OK now, you think, well, not OK, but getting better. Um, you just think, yeah, God, what actually what a, what a cool time to just do what I wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing I, I think people need to appreciate about you is that, as you said, you're an age group um, athlete, which mm. means that you do have a full time job. Yeah, you're, you're not. I hope people don't assume that you're some sort of semi pro or professional athlete. Well, I hope <laughs> they do. I hope they do assume it. But like, um, <clears throat> I think people need to understand that you are fitting this in around a pretty full life schedule already um and you've got to yeah. find the time and you're not just you're not just training at amateur level you're you're training at the world's top level so it it 
demands so much more of you in time, money, um, and training. That yeah. how do you fit it in? Like, give us an example. Like, how do you fit in world class training around an already full life? What What's a day in the life of Kathy to fit this in? Um, I mean, it's. 7 35 right now as we're recording this podcast and i haven't eaten my lunch yet uh that's how <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's it is mad it is mad um but i mean i almost don't like there's there's age group athletes out there who are parents as well so they even have that on top of me and i i cannot believe that, that it's even physically capable to be quite honest with you i mean yeah i really don't know how they fit it in but i guess from my perspective um most of the time i'll be training twice a day so it's obviously normally a uh, fairly early morning um and get up do do your training and i'll have to i mean this this year it has been slightly different for me because this year i've been working from home and so i've actually had the luxury of not having to get up quite as early as i used to because actually there's no commute involved so um but yeah up early for training straight straight into work sometimes if i couldn't make that early morning or um you know if i thought right actually today i've just got to do a half an hour run i would prefer to fit it in in my lunch break and like get that extra rest and the extra sleep so actually sometimes some days i'd like do a bit of work for a few hours and then i go out for a run at lunch um and then continue working and then in the evening I have to do it straight away. I can't finish work and say, right, in an hour's time, I'll go and do my training. It's like, I've got to be out the door or put my shoes on at, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock, get my training done, eat, uh, and then sleep pretty much. And if, if I wanted to see my friends, they'd have to sort of join in my schedule. So they'd have to come to yoga with me or they'd have to come to the gym with me. Um, and that's kind of how I've managed to fit it in this year. Um, managed to get like a, a little group together now to go to yoga because that was the only time my mates could see me um and then also i i have to treat my training as social time sometimes so i've got a really good friend pete who comes out cycling with me and on a saturday morning him and i'll be out for like four or five hours with a cafe stop and that to me has become almost social time um you know it's it's something i really enjoy and i think that's one thing you have to enjoy it because um yeah it it, it 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 does take over your life so if you're not enjoying it and you haven't got those friends and that support to come along with you then you'll you'll soon fall out of love and soon start you know missing training sessions and then it just snowballs but it's i have to say like although i'm at this level and i know i'm a rockman ambassador and you know all about the mental resilience and pushing through and everything but i've been through some low points this year really really low points and I have had to honestly drag myself out of bed. It has been so, so difficult. And even coming up to the World Championships, you know, so many of my friends like a month before would be like, oh my God, I bet you can't wait. Your motivation must be through the roof. You must be this. And I was like, I just want this to all be over. I was like, I cannot wait for race day. Because I, I, when you're sort of like three weeks out, no amount of training is going to make a difference. Obviously, it'll, it'll keep you going and obviously you can't just stop training but you're not going to change your PB by 10 seconds at that point. It's all the grafting you've done for the eight months beforehand. And so that month before you're just like, Oh God, I've got to train twice a day, every day, just to like get to this point. 
and I started hating it and I was having conversations with my friends and I was like I just I want this to be over I've got no motivation and it was so weird because it was like this is the world champs it's something you've been waiting for for two years and it's you know you, you like it's coming right up and I just was like oh no and it was only till like the week before that I actually got excited and was like yeah I'm ready for this and um, sorry, should I keep going, or do you want to ask? Yeah, no, 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 this is great. You, you're ripping through all my bullet points anyway, so I'll, I'll just sit back and listen. But you sorry, no, please continue. Like, like, as I'm saying it, it, kind of rolls into my next point. Um, yeah, like when I got there, um, that was when I was just really, really excited. And of every race I've ever done, I get so nervous. And the morning of even if it's just a park run, I'll always get really nervous. And the morning of, I struggle to eat, I'll struggle to drink and have to like really force feed myself. And the night, and I struggle to sleep sometimes as well. The night before the world champs, I went straight to sleep. There wasn't like, nothing kept me up. I woke up in the morning and I took porridge pots with me um, just because that's what my stomach's used to. And you know, it's all those marginal gains, that kind of thing, like eating what you know. So I'd taken these porridge pots and I was like, oh God, I'm going to be lucky if I can get through half of one of them. I ate two. <laughs> and I think that sounds like ridiculous, but to me to eat two porridge pots on the morning of the world champs was like bonkers. I had a banana, I was drinking. I was like, I, I was just ready. It was like, I wasn't even nervous because I was like, I've waited for this day for so long. And I'd had the best night's sleep. I'd eaten really well. I was like, oh, this couldn't, yeah. I felt so happy because I was like, this is how I wanted my prep to go. It's how you dream of your prep to be. And um, yeah, it all just played out just how I wanted it to. So yeah, that was that was really good. But, um, it seems it, it, like you were really relaxed then going into it. Like, and, and that obviously helped. That that really did help. You know, you've, you've come away with a silver. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I was really relaxed. And I think it helped the day before we we went to red well i had to go register my, my parents were with me and we walked to kind of where the start line was and on that day the sprint distance athletes had been and the elite athletes were going and all the sprint athletes were just drinking they'd all finished their race and they were like just celebrating having lots of drinks it was a beautiful day so we're all sat out in the sunshine and i went up to this group and i said oh where you know where do i register and <laughs> they were just amazing um, and they just instantly like, oh my God, you're racing tomorrow. Sit down, rest your legs, get some water in you. Who's here with you? And I was like, oh, my mum and dad are here. Like, get them a beer. So they like sat my parents down and we had the best day with these guys. And they, yeah, they injected so much enthusiasm in me. And they were like, um, you know, one of the guys had a Vuvuzela and he was like, I'm going to be out there cheering for you tomorrow. I'm going to be at the top of the hill and I'm going to be blowing my Vuvuzela at you. <laughs> And it was just, honestly, the atmosphere was so great. And I was like, oh, just things like that. You just say, I cannot wait for tomorrow. And the next day came around and all these people that I'd met the day before were suddenly my biggest fans. And when I was running, it was like all these people were shouting my name. And, uh, and then I heard the Boo Zayla. And I actually, when I saw him and I ran past him, I started laughing because I was like, you did say you were going to do that, to be fair. Um, so yeah, and all that helps you to relax, you know? It's just like thinking, oh, I've got such good support here. And um, yeah, it, it was just great. And then I went home from that, had a really good dinner and then yeah, woke up and felt good, had my breakfast. It was just, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I just felt ready. It was like, this is what I've, I've, I've been waiting for, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the positive vibes, like they, they really make a difference. Like they can really pick you up and it's, it's infectious, isn't it? You can't help but be happy when you're around happy people. And when yeah. you're positive, 
you're going to perform so much better than when you're negative and down um, demotivated so like yeah. it's it, it was almost like the perfect storm for you to to perform on that day i'm, I'm yeah. glad it happened like i'm you know hearing you talk about it it's like it's obviously really had a, a good impact on you um, yeah yeah definitely and I've, i actually i vlogged my trip which i'm currently editing <clears throat> and i'm hoping to bring out very soon uh and like i you know i do pieces to camera to my gopro and stuff and you'll hear all my thoughts on the lead up of those few days before i go into it but yeah i was just like i feel great because <laughs> i I'm, I'm just ready yeah i mean it, it's it is a stark contrast because like i obviously you've been an athlete with rockman for over a year now um mm -hmm. maybe even almost two years like that time has really flown i think yeah it has. isn't it yeah. not um so we have been in somewhat sort of um, regular conversation and like I'm fully aware of uh, how tough it was for you during these months. Mm. And it was almost like a lot of the time you were at your saturation point with it all. Like you couldn't fit anything more into your life. And then hiccups would happen along the way. Like I think if you weren't at your saturation point, you might have been able to handle hiccups and obstacles mm. better. But they, I, I mean, I, I saw how it they affected you um, mentally. And like, I don't want, this is what I want people to appreciate. This is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, like when you're a top world athlete, it, it's, it's not all, you know, rainbows and roses, as they say, like, yeah. it, and it was a long, long trip to these worlds because of the, uh, the delay, yeah. delaying by a year, you know, it was a two year real journey to this world, which did not help. I think you, you had to drag out this, this because you trained for the worlds last year but then Previously, they postponed yeah. yeah they postponed sort of last minute so you yeah you had to train for it twice mm -hmm. and it dragged it out for so long um what keeps you pushing through these moments like how how do you stay motivated how do you get get out for a run how do you drag yourself out of bed what what is that um i don't <sighs> I don't want this to sound really cliche, but I it does come down to discipline. Uh, I think motivation can only get you so far. There's a, there's a saying, isn't there? It's like dis motivation can only get you so far, and then it's discipline, or discipline's what matters, something like that. Mm. Um, and that really, yeah, I think I think it has just it gets to the point where it's not a case of whether you want to, you've got to, and you, yeah, you've you've got to do it for yourself no one's no one's going to come and get you out of bed you know no one's going to drag you but you've got to think like i have to do this and i have to do it for myself and you know that when you've done it you know like so often so one one thing that i i often said to myself was um so my coach always puts my sessions in and you know i'd wake up and i'm like looking at on training piece and I'm like oh my god oh it's raining i really don't want to do this and then like the start of it would be like 10 minute warm up, five minute of drills or 10 minute of drills. And I'd be like, right, okay, just go and do the warm up. Just get out of bed, run to Marbury Park, which is, you know, a couple of miles up the road. It's dead easy. Like it's nice and wooded. You know, there's lots of woodland. You'll enjoy it. Get there, do your drills. If you're not feeling it, come home. Obviously you get to Marbury Park. You're already in the zone then. Your trainers are on. You've got fresh airs hit your brain. And your lungs and you're like okay yeah yeah do do drills and all of a sudden you think well i've just done 20 minutes and i'm here and i'm warmed up so i've only got a 20 minute interval session and then i'm back home and i think that can really help you sometimes like just break it down rather than thinking 
oh god i've got an hour's session to do think actually that's 10 to 15 minutes warm-up which is just jogging basically then you do your drills then before you know it that's half of it done it's literally half of what you've got to do done and then you get the rest of it out of the way put a good podcast on put some good music on and before you know it you'll be cooling down and you get back home you think oh yeah yeah i'm, I'm done and I've, I've showed up and it's yeah i i think that's probably one of the biggest things i had to do is just say like just do your warm-up and then you do your warm-up and you're not you're not going to back out at that point it's very rare that you'll back out at that point um so i think that's like a tool that i'd say i can use but i think other than that if motivation's really low it is it is discipline it's not i want to or i don't want to it's i can and i will yeah i think once you make it non-negotiable for yourself yeah it, that, it doesn't it. It, yeah it doesn't matter what gets in the way it, you've got to do it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um and, and i think like you know having a coach helps me a lot because i think i thrive off of having that accountability it's like knowing that somebody's checking up on me um and sometimes i forget to wear my watch in the gym or things and so it wouldn't have loads of training peaks and he you know messaged me going what did you do have you been to the gym and like, oh yeah and it's just this little reminder that somebody is keeping watch um and yeah, and I, I'm a people pleaser and I don't like to disappoint. So I would, you know, that sort of thing really helps me. And I'd say if that's a personality trait of yours, I'd 100% recommend, you know, investing in a coach and having that person to just check in on you and make yeah. sure you're, make sure you're doing, doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. I, it's really, it's really, dirt. I'd love to give you this like real insight into like what goes on, but it's um, different things like, you know, every time I woke up, it's not, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. You know, I see like a bit of a sunbeam coming through the curtain. I'm like, oh, the day is waiting for me. Get out. And I can't wait. <laughs> I'm like, I'm genuinely, I'm like, oh my God. Like some sort of Disney film. Like. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I like jump out of bed, like put some music on. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait for this. And, um, and you're, you know, if anyone follows me on stories, I'll be like putting 75 million photos up of my run because I'm just so amazed that, I've seen this tree look a certain way or whatever. And then other days I am like, I don't care if nobody comes in my room and I don't see the sunlight today, like leave me alone. But it's those days that you've just, yeah, just got to drag yourself out and make it non-negotiable. That's, that's where the bloody mental resilience comes in. It, it's being yeah. strong enough to make yourself do it no matter what, even though you, even if you don't want to do it. I yeah. mean, one of the biggest, um, uh, what would you call it? demotivate not demotivators reasons why people say excuses that's the word i'm looking for one of the biggest yeah. excuses people use is that they've got no time and i think when you make it non-negotiable to yourself you always find the time yeah and i tell you what's funny actually Definitely. see i've obviously in the last um two and a half years i've, I've become a father i've now got two bloody kids like <laughs> <laughs> it fills up your day so much. And like before, before kids, I didn't think I had time. Yeah. Now I've got two kids. I've got no time whatsoever, but you find it because I've said to myself, right, I have to train. You find that you'll be amazed. I, I'm actually more productive now because the less time I have, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. made me more productive because I've really got to use the time that I've got yeah yeah definitely and, um, and that thing, isn't it like if if you're at work and you've got nothing to do sending one email feels like loads of effort and then on a day where you've got millions of stuff to do it's like you just get through it and yeah, you, but, you just find a way 
and it's probably the same with you with Rockman as well, right? Because you only started Rockman a couple of years ago. And I bet if somebody had said to you, in, in two years' time, you're going to have two kids and be running your own company, you'd be like, no chance. When am I going to do that? And here you are absolutely smashing it. So, yeah. I'm a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you had your job and your social life. Yeah. And somebody had said to you, you're like adding two kids and an, another business, you'd be like, no chance. And it's, yeah, you, you can do it. It's been um, really tough. It's um, it, is, it is that. It's you've got to want to do it and you've got to enjoy it. And, you know, like I remember years ago before I got into cycling, the person who introduced me to cycling said, oh, if you want to be good at cycling, you have to go out for like four hours every weekend. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And I was like, God, it, it, I, I struggled to fit in a long run, which is, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. And now, without fail, it, pretty much every weekend this year, I've found, I mean, I don't usually come home till about 2 p.m. because we have like an hour's cafe stop in between as well. But I love it. It's, be, it's become part of my lifestyle and I love it. And so now if a friend says, are you free on Saturday? Yes, but after 1 p.m. Because I know I'm going to have that cycle ride in that morning. So it's like, all of a sudden you find the time and you rather than brunching at 11 a.m you brunch at 1 p.m you know you, you you just find a way to fit in yeah i was wondering so how, how did you get into this kathy you said at the beginning that um you've been running since nine years old mm, yeah so what was the reason you got into it what why have you continued at it like sort of um what what's what's kept you interested mm. and um why what what, what do you get from it I'd say the thing that kept me in it when I was a teenager was my friends and the social side of running. Um, yeah, I joined an athletics club when I was nine. When, when I first joined, it was just games. So you just, you just went and played games basically, which obviously is at that age is great. And then when I was sort of 13, between the ages of say 13 to 17, uh, again, took it quite seriously and we're competing. And we, I trained, four to five times a week. I only had a Monday and a Friday off. And obviously I had like school and stuff in between. And my running friends became my family, like my second family basically, because you'd spend a Saturday, <clears throat> most Saturdays you'd be at a race with them. So you're there all day. We'd quite often organize some sort of sleepover after that. So we'd all have a party and a sleepover and we'd go straight from that to our training on a Sunday morning. And before, you know, you spent the whole weekend with these with these friends. And yeah, a lot of my friends from like school and college will will say, you know, we, we barely saw her. I never went to one of the college socials. I never went out. You know, when I turned 17, no, it's 18, isn't it? You're allowed to go out. When I turned 18, the night of my 18th birthday, so the next day uh, I had the Cheshire Championships and I was running in the 800 meters. And everyone was like, you've got to go out, it's your 18th. So I went out, but I didn't drink got home relatively, you know, like midnight, 1am, something like that. And I just drank Red Bull because, you know, I was, I wanted to run well the next day. And that's kind of like my mentality at that age. I was like, I've got years and years and years of my life to go out and drink and do all that kind of stuff. But I will never have this opportunity in the Cheshire Champs at this age ever again. So take this opportunity. Um, and yeah, so I'd say, I'd say my friends kept me there and then we used to do quite well. We were quite successful as a, as a team. We got a silver medal in the national cross country championships, I think when I was 15. And that has always, that's always been like my favorite medal because I had an England flag on it. And it was, yeah, <laughs> and when I was that age, I said to myself, 
you'll run for your country one day. I like, I, I get so inspired by the Olympics and people who get to do that sort of thing. I said to myself, you will do it. And I just never got there. Just, I, I just never, I was never fast enough. Um, I don't know what it was, whether it's like comes down to natural talent or maybe I needed to change my diet or whatever it might be. I, I don't know. I, I just never was fast enough. And then I went to university and at university, other distractions came into play. Uh, that's when the drinking came in and uh, going out and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was part of the athletics club. I became the social sec for the athletics club. Um, so I was the bad influence on all the runners there. <laughs> and when I came out of university, um, that was when you think, oh God, like I'm getting old and, you know, going for a run then, you know, you'd ache for a week afterwards. I was like, I never want to feel like this. I always want to feel like I did when I was 16 and I was really fit and could do whatever I wanted to do. And it was never a big deal. And um, so, yeah, so I, I started running again. And then it was shortly after that, that the bike came in and, th and then sort of duathlon has sort of been my, you know, 22, 23, all the way up until where I am now. Um, so, I mean, I guess in short to your question, I would say it's been friends and, people that have kept me kept me there um but i am also uber competitive so yeah i know if, I know. if, if my numbers or my peak you know if i if, i remember doing a park run and like my 5k time was like 23 minutes or something which i know i know to a lot like 23 minutes would be a pb to people but to me at that point it was like to me kathy that would be a PB. <laughs> um to me it was like oh my god my numbers have slipped what is this you know to be like so far off like what you what you used to run and now i've got all the way back down to the numbers where i was running when i was at my peak when i was sort of 16. really um yeah almost i am almost there um i reckon i can get a tank like a lifetime 10k pb this year so you're gonna go for it yeah yeah good you said you're competitive and i i i know that to be true absolutely um on a couple of our shoots when we we do some um impromptu challenges with the boys, you are always trying to prove yourself and beat the boys at whatever it is. Max at press ups. No <laughs> one can beat win. Max at press ups. What do they say? Max, Max doesn't do push ups. Was it? Max pushes the world down. He doesn't. I, I butchered <laughs> that. I butchered that. Um, how 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 important is it to you? Because I I know this is you've grew you grew up with three brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. How important older is brothers as well. Yeah, older brothers. Um, how important is it to 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 prove yourself and beat beat the men? Oh, to me, massive. Yeah. I like my my whole life growing up, I I was the youngest and I was the only girl. So I you, you know, my dad used to film us when we were kids, and there's footage of me where all my brothers do something like on a monkey bars, and I'm like moaning and whining, saying like you know, put me up there. My mum and dad will lift me up and I'm doing exactly what my brothers have just done and they're four years older than me. But it was like growing up with these like sort of young lads that could do all this stuff and they were really sporty as well. You know, they used to kick footballs around, rugby, whatever it might be, they were into sport as well. And so I guess I grew up being inspired by them and seeing what they could do and I'd always try and be be the same. I, and I think all kids are like that. I'm sure you'll find it with your, your two, like the youngest will copy the oldest. And so I guess all my life growing up, I was copying what they could do. And then it got to an age where you're like, you know, the comments start coming in like, oh, you're the girl, so you can go and goal, or you're the girl, you're not gonna do this. And so obviously that's just in my head. It's like, no, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you back. 
And guess what? I'm faster than all my brothers now. So <laughs> I don't think any of them would even attempt to beat me on a bike. So yeah, feels good. good. <laughs> Maybe all of this has just been to prove that point that I'm faster than my brothers. <laughs> it could well be. If, if you'd spoken to a psychologist, they'll probably, uh, that's that would be their yeah, conclusion, I think, like. Uh, yeah, po quite possibly. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's a bit of a revolution I've just come up with there. I, I'm, I'm interested in, in um, on your thoughts on women's sport as well mm. obviously being a female and, and a top world uh, class athlete in, and um in women's sport, <laughs> you are we can say that now like definitely well, you were last time when you had bronze like you're, you're silver now as well so even better there's only one woman out there that can beat you tell me yeah. tell me her name kathy I'll, I'll find her i'll sort her out but um <laughs> i was wondering so, so how how have you seen women's fitness or fitness and sport industry or health and health and industry how have you seen it change over the years? Because you've been in it since um, year nine and oh, at age yeah. nine. And um, from my own perspective, when I was, say, you know, nine years old, women's sport wasn't even really a thing. If it was, but I remember in P classes or in our, in our schools, there's, there would only be like two or three girls ever in like, um, like the athletics team or something like that. Yeah, how, yeah. What, what's your opinions on it and how have you seen it change so yeah first of all I even when I was nine and still now there is a huge skew in the number of women versus men in I'd say pretty much all sports clubs um, obviously with the exceptions of a few um, which are mainly female dominated like gymnastics and things but uh yeah, I mean, any cycling club I've ever turned up to, I'm often the only woman there. And if I'm not the only one, there'll only be one or two others. And they'll always say like, oh, I'll go in the slow group. You know, they, they put themselves down straight away. It's like they couldn't possibly keep up with the men. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd say that's like across everyone I speak to, it's the same um, racing. So just to give a little background, so at the World Championships, like I said, it's done in your age groups. So you're called up in your age groups to, to start the race. So for the men, uh, they had to go off. I think they did it in two age group batches. So for example, they would do the 20 to 29. So actually you, you, the age groups would be 20 to 24, 25 to 29, but they set them off at the race 20 to 29. And they'd be like rows, you know, you'd have the, the start line and then there'd be like rows of men waiting, like, you know, nine rows deep of guys. Then they'd have the next two age groups, the next two age groups. And even all the way up until the ages of 89, you still had like five rows deep of men. I mean, it was unbelievable how many were there. For the women, we all went off as one. Yeah. There was not Every woman competing. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, maybe, it, maybe it was two, but we were only like three, four rows deep. And it was like, and when I was warming up, I was like, have I got the time wrong? Because there were just men everywhere warming up, drills, um, drinking, like running to the loo, running about, whatever. I hadn't seen that many women. And I was like, am I, have I mistimed my warm up? Like, am I, you know, I was kind of like doubting myself. And then as it got closer and closer and the men's races started going off and it, you know, you kind of start getting smaller numbers. I was like, oh no, this is just how, how few there are here of women versus men. And I think it's a real shame. Um, and I'm not really sure why it is, uh, but I would say that, it, I would say it's changing. I think when I was growing up, um, I grew up sort of sports for women was always about how you looked. It was all about the aesthetics. 
So you had the woman on the special K adverts who like ate the cereal and wore the red uh, swimming costume and stuff. And it was all about like, you know, if you work out and you do this, then you're gonna look like this person. I think now mindsets are starting to shift and it's about what your body can do. So it's not about how you look or anything like that. It's what you can do with it um, and how it makes you feel, feel, you know, for your, for your mindset and for your, for your mental health. Um, and I think that's really good. And I think a lot of women are starting to realize that if you stop caring about what that run is going to do for your bum, are going to do for your legs, and you know, whether your dumbbells going to do your arms and you just start enjoying it and you make friends and you, you set a schedule for yourself and you do it for your head, you do it for stress relief and you do it for every other reason, but losing weight, you're going to lose weight. It's, it's like, I remember, you know, even for me at times, I'm like, when I got into this, I was like, oh, you know, I, I want to lose a bit of weight or I want to get that bit of weight off my legs here and I want to get biceps, whatever it might be. And it's funny, the second I was like, I want a gold medal and I want to win the world champs and see how far I can get in duathlon, all of a sudden you start doing the core work, the yoga and everything else, not because you, you're doing it to look good, just because you're doing it for your training. And it all, before I know it, like I've started very little, <laughs> nothing like Max's. <laughs> I'm starting to get some little biceps and like, and yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference for women in the fitness industry and for women in sport. Now, I also think that I think people are starting to sit up and notice that women can achieve things just as well as men did, you know, with Emma, um, oh, I'm so bad with her same Emma Raducanu in the tennis this year like what she achieved just blew everyone's socks off and she had like millions and millions of viewers and all of a sudden it was like yeah a woman can attract audiences as big as men you just have to give them the right screen time you have to put them on at the prime time tv um you know times and they've never done that and then like next year we've got the first female tour de france and it's like how have we never had this why why was this the it's like societal impression that women couldn't cycle as far as men or they couldn't, it wasn't possible. They might not do it in the same times as men. I'm not saying that a woman's going to go and beat the men's record for the Tour de France. I don't think that's possible. It's not physically possible, but at least give us a chance to go out and do the same course and prove that we can compete alongside them at the same event and put it on TV at the time when people can watch it. And the second you start doing that, you'll see the snowball effect. We'll start hitting the headlines. We'll start achieving records. And then people take more interest And in it. You know, I think that is starting to shift. It's still not there. Um, you know, still, we've still got a long way to go, but it's, it's definitely shifting. And I think it's really great. Um, I think, yeah, women's sport is starting to hit headlines how, how men's sport did. I think it's um, obviously, if you, if you do rewind, say, 20 years ago, they just weren't the numbers. And I think it, it, it has been a long journey of building those numbers up to yeah. the point where it's like, well, we've got the numbers now. Mm. Feature us, <laughs> like, let us, yeah. let us get involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, and I think this is for everyone, actually, I, I, I'm going to speak on behalf of everyone here. It's not necessarily about the skill level or the fitness level. It's the story behind it. It's yeah. the why. And I think, um, I think no greater... Um, sport um portrays this correctly that other than the the ufc 
I don't know if you've seen it before, but um, they were one of the first um, sporting institutions to headline females at their fight nights. Their sport, any any sport, sort of sporting um, event, they were yeah. one of the biggest and first people to do women. And it, all right, you know, they're not going to be as strong as the men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to, but you've got two evenly matched females with fantastic backstories behind each athlete hmm. you want to watch it yeah you want to watch that fight um that fight and i i think when you've when you've got two women that you said the tour de france going at it with you know one kilometer to go and they're neck and neck it doesn't matter who the bloody hell they are they could be green aliens for all <laughs> matter you, you know it it doesn't matter yeah. who or what they are it's it's the competitive nature it's the sport it's the story it's the excitement that's going to get you interested so it doesn't matter whether you <laughs> i was going to be rude but it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man um <laughs> i'm thinking of that um, yeah <laughs> and do you know what the other, yeah what i what i find amazing is like there are there are olympians out there and there are like you know like top top like world-class legendary athletes that are mums i'm like <laughs> how and i don't get me wrong i know there's loads of dads but the mums have actually had to give birth they've had to like give up nine months of their life growing the child inside of their body mm-hmm. and then sort of having to bounce back from that and get back to being this seriously intense athlete and they say, don't they, that like giving birth is one of the most traumatic things your body can go through. So no wonder they're top class athletes, because I don't think they'll be able to feel pain anymore. Like it's just, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And in fact, one of my friends actually made elite status this year and she was at the World Duathlon Championships competing as an elite athlete. And she had a two girls there watching her and it was unbelievable. And, um, you know, she was so emotional afterwards and, uh, and yeah, I think in the commentary they they talked about how she was a mum as well. And yeah, I just I just find it unbelievable. I just think how do, how has women's sports not been given that sort of coverage? And as you say, the stories because it's like they they've got kids behind them and stuff. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. It, it um, is incredible. I mean, obviously, I'm glad it's shifting. I'm glad it's starting to change. I I think it it will be sort of like an exponential growth. It's going to snowball, isn't it? Because the the more women you have in sport being featured, then the more women are going to do sport, and then the more women you have doing sport, the more women will be featured doing sport. So it will just yeah. grow and grow and grow. Um, especially, I, with, I, I think. Sorry, carry on. I'll, I'll just finish the point. Especially with the the you know being a father um, recently having the um, seeing how the effect that um, having children's had on my wife it's not just the birth obviously it's hormones man they go wild mm-hmm. so like if you are an athlete and you've got this aim of you know yeah. i want to be fit um and trim and i want to get the best times your body's going to go ah, 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 ah. <laughs> no 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 we're going to really dump a load of hormones in your body now because you're <laughs> growing a child so it, you, you can't fight that no. so yeah utmost respect to the women that um that do it after giving birth and stuff like that because it's it's a real battle it's not like you're fighting an injury it's yeah. it's everywhere it's, it's you <laughs> you know it's everything and I, and I think for like some of the men that are at the top of their sports well it's like well yeah great you know you've you've never had to you've been able to just fully always concentrate on it and that's been your full-time job but then you look at the the women alongside them and it's like oh they yeah they had a kid that year and then came back and won the world champs and then oh they had another child 
And like they've had to do this in between mm. their sporting career and have to balance probably sponsorship and getting the money in and all of that. And I just think, yeah, like some of the journeys the women have to take to get to just the level that the men do, it, it's actually a lot harder. Um, and I think people should take a lot more uh, sort of inspiration and sort of admiration for that. Mm. And the, that. The, um, they, they don't use it as an excuse. No. You just got to get on with it. Yeah. And I'm, no offence to men out there, but I feel like men would really milk it if it was the other way around. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. It's sort of like the, man, the man flu paradox, I guess. Isn't yeah, it, right? exactly. Um, um, but, so, Kathy, like, um, you've you read the stats recently of the, the survey that came out for mm-hmm. Rockman. Um, yeah. And you could see there that I think we had 17 or 18 percent female participation. Yeah. Uh, as a female, speaking on behalf of all females now, Kathy, you're representing the gender. Yeah. How do we get more women? And now, and this is everyday women now. I want, like, don't, mm. I'm not thinking of athletes. This is everyday women. How do we get more women to push their limits in, in the rock, in a rockman capacity? So not necessarily play sport, but like I'm talking about pushing their limits to mm. toughen their minds, improve their health, improve their fitness, improve their well-being, improve their resilience how do we because obviously rockman is a very masculine brand now it's this isn't exclusively to males at all you know masculine just means it embodies a a bunch of characteristics it doesn't mean male female it's sort of like it's it's driven it's it's aggressive it goes forward How, how do we make it appeal to more women how do we get more women doing rockman challenges um i mean it's not gonna happen overnight um I think it's going to have to be a gradual thing. It's 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 really tough. Um, I feel like women need to know. I think basically what I'm trying to say. I think women more than men have low self confidence and almost don't have the belief that they can do it before they've even tried. Whereas I think more men. And this is, I'm just speaking on, on experience really, even probably between me and my brothers. I think my brothers and, and guys have more confidence and I'll go, yeah, I can do that. Or like they've, they've kind of got this like innate sense that like they're going to be better than everyone else. Whereas I think women go into things with, the, with like a, maybe more of a realistic point of view sometimes, but just of, oh God, will I be able to do it? And like, like I said, they'll almost put themselves down. It's kind of what I mentioned earlier about you go you go to a cycling club and straight away the women are like, oh no, I might not be able to. You just think, why don't you think you can cycle as good as him? You don't even know him. Um, and, I, and I think with stuff like the Rockman challenges, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it can be like four weeks, every week you get a different challenge. And I just think women need to keep in their heads. It's not, you know, it's not gonna, I don't know, I'd, I'd just like to like inject them with a bit more confidence of like, you can do this. And I think if they just did one and realized that they might not be top of the leaderboard, but hey, you earned your pip and you can wear that with pride, then I think going forwards, they'd go, oh, actually, yeah, I can do this. And then they'd enter the next one and and just sort of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that kind of answers but I think I think that's the biggest thing between men and women. I think it's that confidence of like a woman will look at a challenge and go, "Oh no, I'm not sure." Whereas a men will go, "Yeah, yeah, I can do that," and like give it a try. Yeah, well, it's funny because um, of all the women that do the challenges, 
they once they once they're involved with Rockman and doing it, they absolutely love it. They can yeah. see that it's um, a really supportive group. They can see that the, the challenges are not you versus other people. It's you against you that, yeah. you know, there's multiple fitness levels. They don't have to push. They don't have to do the advanced um, and the support they get off the community as well is, is absolutely amazing. And they love it. And that, that's the thing. Right. So the, the women that do it, I they're the ones smiling the most <laughs> i think see, see i've always thought i've always thought that um it's men like that have this deep desire to push their limits to be someone to achieve but it's it's so not true like seeing them they've got just as much if not more um drive to prove themselves and maybe that that is it they're, they're really trying to prove themselves to themselves that they can yeah. do it um, yeah, and I think it's tapping into that because actually, it's yeah. When you when you first introduced this and asked me the question, you said, "Oh, it's quite a masculine brand," um, and you went, "Not, but not because it's for men, but you know, it's it's driven, it's aggressive, it's this." And I was actually going to say to you, I sort of disagree that they're masculine traits. I think everyone's got those traits. I think they're human traits. They do. That's that's my point. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, not exclusive to males at all. Yeah, it, like everyone has got those traits. But I think I think it's easier to tap into some of them in men than it is women. Mm. I think once you've tapped it in a woman, it's addictive. I I, I you know I I honestly think women are when they yeah when they put their mind to something they can they can really go for it and I, that's why I think it's not going to happen overnight. I don't think we're going to get this influx of women going yeah I want to I want to do loads of rockman challenges. But I think if you can just get a few and they invite their mates and I think that's really important for women as well um like i said with, with the yoga it's like i invited one friend and then a few people see it and then before you know it, you've got a little group if you go in and then it becomes um right after yoga should we go for a glass of wine and all of a sudden you know you kind of like make something out of it and i think with rockman like if you get that word of mouth and one does it with another then i, I think that's something else that women really like have um, you heard of the brand um this girl can yes yeah well they i've uh, years ago i was looking into their brand um because I think they do it really well with women is that and what they they spoke about is that women are men are different you know in in general populace now we're not talking individuals of course you can have overlaps but as a general populace they are different they have different aims and for men it's more about competition and for women it's more about socializing and I think that's it if you you yeah. sort of you make it a that you play on the social element and yeah. the fun um I think you, yeah you're going to get more in you're, you're going to get more involved yeah definitely and you know it's even for like local events um like i did a i did the cheshire 10k very recently and my i mean i think it was the biggest numbers i'd seen in a race all year it was like 700 people or something and it was just a local 10k at the road but i'd say at that event more than the higher level when i go to there are so many more it is almost a 50 50. like you get as many men doing it as um women but the men are doing it and they're like, you know, I want a PB. They're almost like, they're really kind of wanting that. They're wanting to like get this goal. Don't get me wrong. I think the women still have that, but you'll often see the women running with other women or like they're in their little groups and they'll run it together. And then they get to the end and they put a medal around the necks. And it's kind of like this little group thing. Whereas I'd say you more, you tend to see more men running on their own, trying to get the time. So yeah, I like what you're saying. Obviously it's your survey and it's your data, but I probably have seen that if I really thought about it in action. 
you know with my own eyes so yeah it's, it is interesting that that's kind of what they've come back with i tell you um because obviously there's, there's obvious physical differences between males and females but do you know the one sport that i i'm aware of that's been proven to have an equal playing field it doesn't matter about uh, like i don't know basically ultra running ultra running is one of the only sports where um the physical traits males and females it sort of it gets to a point where it doesn't matter and it's an even playing field and i don't know i don't know if you follow ultra running but you're getting more and more women actually winning the races like coming first not first in gender first overall first overall oh wow i mean i follow a few ultra athletes who are obviously incredible but yeah i didn't i didn't know that there was almost no difference you know that it it just gets to the point where it's like i think it's, it's like to do with that's great yeah i think it's to do with something to do with size obviously because men are typically typically again on general pop it's going to be bigger and then i think when you hit a certain point of endurance when you've been going for that long it becomes a detriment and then that's when the the women can sort of surpass them and take like so to me that's really that's fantastic that's a sport where we can all come together just as humans <laughs> and, and partake. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd also say ultra running is in your head. Like so much of it is in your mind. You could be the fastest ultra runner ever, but if you hit a bog in the first one mile and your trainers are soaking wet and then you get blistered, you know, and it all of you, then you're not going to be able to, and you know, you haven't got that resilience to push through then win and um yeah again i think i think women are very mentally resilient hell yeah they yeah resilient or stubborn uh, <laughs> did you get that <laughs> um, we, we, i said yes yeah, oh, good, good. for a split second oh good because I, I thought you were disgusted by my comment then but uh the, the laugh came through eventually so i'm okay i got away with it <laughs> Um, which segues quite nicely onto mental resilience, Kathy. So you were saying how, like, um, it, you know, it doesn't matter about if it physicality matters up to a certain point, but if you haven't got the the resilience and confidence and self belief, it's almost like the physicality doesn't matter. I was wondering, what, what's your understanding of mental resilience? What is it to you? Um. Oh God, it's a lot of things, I think. Um, and like I said, this is this has come into play quite a bit for me over the, the last few weeks, especially with the world champs and stuff. Because I'd say even when I mean I like I'm gonna cheat a bit here to make the Rockman film where we actually discussed the four pillars of mental resilience. Um, which is confidence. Um She's forgotten. Well, <laughs> Challenge. I know four seats. Challenge, confidence, uh, commitment. Yep. Control. Oh no. Control. Control. Yeah. Um. And I would say my two worst traits out of those four, which sort of make it up, I'd say is confidence. Um, I was saying before how we probably have lower self-belief. I certainly, even even though I turned up to the world champs as like, you know, this year I'm national champion, I'm British champion. 
Um, I still turn up going like, will I be first for GB? I'm not sure, like doubting myself. And you just think you won the British champs, like you come in, like have the confidence, like step on that start line and go for it. And it, even, even going up to the start line, I was like, oh, maybe I should go in the row at the back, not the very back, but like, you know, a couple of rows back. Cause you know, the girls at the front is probably faster. And that was just cause I, I had no idea I was going to come second overall. So it was like, to me that there must have been a group in front of me that would be faster and then obviously i come second it was like i should have been walking onto that start line and been right at the front of it but i just didn't have that confidence so i'd say that's one area that i struggle with um sorry i know this isn't really your question again i got carry on um but i'd say what i do have is like the control element you know control my controllables um and the commitment, like I think those two, I am, I am quite good at, and and what was the other challenge? Oh yeah, challenge as well. Um, challenge, I actually, I wouldn't say I was the best at because when the world championships got postponed, somebody who's got a really strong sense of challenge would say, "Oh great, I've got an extra twelve months, let's go." Whereas my thinking was like, "Oh, that's rubbish. I've trained all this time and now it's gone." And I think I texted my coach and I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take a back seat for a few months and come back to it next year. And he just wrote, that's not how how a world champion would think. And it just, my mind straight away was like, he's right. It's not how a world champion would think. So, you know, and I need people like that to kind of keep reminding me of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing for me, talking about mental resilience when it comes to training and racing would be you need the confidence that you can do it and that's at no matter what level i don't care if you're going to go and run an hour 5k in the park run like you need to turn up and go i can do this like i'm going to get under 60 minutes or you know you've got to have that confidence um and also commitment like stick to it um how do you build confidence kathy i think you've got i think you've just got to prove to yourself that um that you are capable and again, it comes down to just breaking, breaking it down into smaller elements. So don't sign up to your first Rockman challenge, like I said, expecting to be top of the leaderboard or expecting to be able to do it. I mean, it's, it's called a challenge for a reason, um, but just go into it thinking, I'm going to tackle this the best I can. Kind of, you know, for the world championships, uh, the first time around 2019, I went into it going, I have got no expectations. Like I'm, I'm coming into this as a complete newbie, don't really know how I'm going to do. And then I got a bronze medal. Um, and it's like, if I had gone into that with a bit more confidence, you know, who knows if I could have got the silver that year, you just, you just don't know. But um, yeah, I'd say even for, like you say, the people who are coming from it that may never have done any sport for a while, it's like, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't expect too much of yourself straight away. Um, It'd be like asking somebody who's just learned how to do maths, you know, to do like a really complicated, you're not going to be able to do it, but let them have a bit of practice and prove that they can do two plus two and then five times five. And then what, you know, you build it or build it up and then eventually you can do it. And you think you've just got to like, if, if a Rockman challenge is where you want to get to, put that in your diary as like, right, next month I, I want to tackle that and work backwards and say, right, where do I need to begin? If the challenge includes press-ups, well, start by doing a few weights every day. And you'll, you'll notice the differences quite quickly. 
And I think as soon as you start proving to yourself that, oh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't lift that and now I can lift it. I don't know, you, you start realizing what you're actually capable of. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to sit on a bike. I was just terrified of getting on a bike. And then now I'm riding TT bikes with aero bars and like taking a drink at the same time. I mean, I just never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that was going to happen. But you've got to take it that one step at a time and build build your confidence up. Just do baby steps. And, and like I said, don't be too hard on yourself. If I'd have like come off my bike on that first ride or tried to clip in, it had gone wrong, then I wouldn't have got anywhere. But you've got to stick to it and believe that you can do it. And um, and yeah, just just keep building. I think completely. I think when you when people sort of look at a challenge in its entirety, it can be quite daunting and mm. intimidating. You've really got to set yourself small, achievable, specific targets and 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 build upon. They have to be achievable first and foremost like um so many people i see start uh, that start running um they go oh, i hate running i i absolutely hate running i'm like what what like if you do if you hate running you're doing it wrong what what are you doing and it's like i oh, i haven't run in six years i went out for a four mile run i i gassed after one i had to walk it was freezing i was like you, you've done it completely wrong. You've set yourself too big of a target. You've yeah. failed at it miserably. Now you hate it. Now your confidence is worse. And now you won't even go out again. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so true. And I think people forget so often that other people they see that are at the top of whatever they do, it's like they think it just comes easy to them. It's like, you know, it's like my friends. My friends will so often be like, how do you motivate yourself? How do you get the motivation? Like I'm saying to you in this podcast, I don't have some like pot of motivation next to my bed that I take a little tablet every morning. And I, and like, I, I, or I'm this like superhuman that just, yeah, that can, can get up and do it every day. I'm not, but you've, you've just, yeah, you've just got to stick at it. You've got to take it baby steps. If, if when I bought my first ever road bike four years ago, I'd have gone, oh, I'm going to enter the world champs or like, I'm going to like try and qualify. It wouldn't have happened. And then like I said, I'd have probably, my confidence would have been super low. I'd have been like, oh, I can't ride bikes. I hate it. And I'd have thrown it all away. Instead, you take all those little baby steps and now it's built up to this. And people see me now and they're like, oh, she's a duathlete. She does time, time trials on her bikes and she does this. And people probably look at me and think that I've cycled all my life. And actually I only picked one up a few years ago um and yes yeah, so you, you just gotta like have your goals make sure as you say they are achievable don't make them too big or too challenging and and just keep building up from there and do, do you know what the funny thing is is that it sounds simple right this sounds so simple yeah th this um, little rule is applicable to the everyday athlete like myself to a world champion athlete like yourself like yourself there is no secret yeah. no. recipe formula it's it's doing the basic stuff and doing yeah. it well and being consistent. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was I was wondering what what you thought, what your thoughts on how how important is sort of mental resilience in sport and fitness, and how how does it transfer over to like your everyday life? Is it important? Does does doing challenges help? Does it transfer into your everyday life? Are there practices that you put in place in your work life or, or something like that? Um, hmm, it's a good question. 
Uh, I mean, I'd say, I'd say to a certain extent, yes. If I've really reflected back on things, you know, like for instance, when I was saying during lockdown, um, I like turned to sport and exercise as my stress relief and my get out from sort of worrying and stressing about uh, COVID. I think you could almost probably turn that around to mental resilience that like rather than stressing and worrying about it it was like okay well this is the situation i've been we've all been given this is the situation i'm in so what can i do to make the best of me in this situation and that for me was turning my hand to training and everything whereas yeah i guess somebody who's slightly you know less mentally resilient or like hasn't quite got that same level of motivation could just go oh great well um i'm you know my whole life's been flipped upside down. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm just going to sit at home and sulk. And it's like, they're not going to do anything because they, they, they can't like get past it. And I think, um, sorry, my medal keeps banging against the <laughs> Sorry. My, yeah, my yeah. world championship second uh, silver medal keep banging the table. Yeah, I see. I see. A little, uh, humble brag there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. Maybe cut it down. Um, Oh. take it off it's fine it's fine take it <laughs> off. um yeah so I, yeah I, I'd, I'd say to a certain extent having those traits which i think are definitely heightened by being in sport then help me in my everyday life if that makes sense i don't think really? i would use i don't think i use many tools that i use in my training or my racing in in my everyday life I think it would it would just be more on the other point that I, I guess I look at certain situations that I've come across, you know, like I said, I've had a really tough year this year for many different reasons. And rather than sitting at home and sulking or like thinking, oh, life's over, you know, I've got nothing going for me and where am I going or whatever? It's like actually one step at a time. Like, what do you need to do to feel good today? What do you need to do to feel good tomorrow? What do you need to do to feel good by the end of the week? And you can, you can take that into work. What do I need to do by the end of the day, end of the week? And like make those kind of like goals. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, event, eventually, it, it, you know, it's like, I guess what I was saying before about people look at Olympic athletes and forget that they learned to ride a bike one day or they put a pair of running shoes on for the first time one day. You know, it's as if they think that they were just born an Olympic runner. And it's the same when you look at, uh entrepreneurs and and people people probably look at you and go wow look at him with like this rockman brand um it, it's so good and he's done so well with it but you right at the beginning didn't really know what you're going to do with rockman and you've kind of taken it these little stages until eventually you've like really found your feet and what you want the brand to be and how you want it to be perceived and what your values are and now it's like kind of really established and uh, yeah but but from day one you could you wouldn't have been able to know what it was going to turn out to be just like when i took on duathlons i didn't know one day i'd be competing at the world champs but yeah you just take it one step at a time um, and i'm so sorry i've forgotten what the original question was <laughs> but no no that was perfect you, you ended it on taking it one step at a time because i, I was actually having a real good because think about this the other day is because um obviously i've read a lot about what mental resilience is supposed to be and i was like well what what is it to me? What do I think it is? And I think when you talk mental strength and resilience, I think it gives, it's actually the wrong word. Because to me, 
a lot of mental resilience is systems and mechanisms, mental mechanisms and mental systems. Um, and it's just learning them. And uh, one of my favorites, uh, one of my examples is, is just planning, just mm. planning thing, forward planning, planning for the future or, or something around the corner, you, you know, um, it can take the sting out of an obstacle. You know, we're in, and, and knowledge is another one. Learning about something because uh, you know there's going to be a fear of there, there's quite often a fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? You know, how's this going to affect me? But yeah. learning about something and planning something, well, technically that gives you mental resilience. But it's not actually it's not a quantifiable strength, is it? Mm-hmm. It's just a mechanism and a system. So for me, like it's you learn those you really learn them when you're going through a challenge you know when you're on mile 40 of some sort of ultra marathon and um, uh, you're really under the pressure and under stress the planning and the the, you know that's really gone into before that and the preparation that's where it'll come into your own you know that's that's what gives you the strength I think to carry forward so I know I know you say well I'm going to say you're wrong now Kathy but like I know you said oh I don't really take much into my everyday life you really do from my perspective probably like I probably do without even realizing it yeah and from my from my perspective it is I see it as a lot to do with mechanisms I think that there is an aspect of stubbornness as well which you you probably again take through to your uh your um (laughs) to to your everyday life but um also the uh, what was it? I've gone. It's gone. It's gone. What was it? Stubbornness. Mechanisms. It's gone. But does that, does that make sense? Like, because this is a, this is only yeah. a fresh thought I've had uh, recently. I think it's wrong to call it mental strength um, and resilience. I will come up with a word. Mental mechanisms, maybe. <laughs> That's what it yeah. should be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, you've got to have, like, like you say, you've got to have the systems in place. Um, before you go on to do something to then really like to like make it come true almost mm-hmm. um like you said like if you went into an ultra marathon without having any prep or like thought about it then when it gets tough you're going to find it really hard to get through that whereas if you've prepped and you've said to yourself right at some point in this this is going to get really hard what am I going to say to myself? What am I going to do for myself to get myself through it? Um, yeah, I mean, like, again, I'm just going back to the duathlon. I knew it was going to be a tough race. I didn't think I was going to go in there and it'd be a walk in the park. And I remember a thought coming, and I know I didn't get, I know I didn't get the gold in the end, but I remember on the bike, uh, So, the, sorry, the day before, I told you about this guy with the Vuvuzela. He said to me, tomorrow i want your uh your your mind or your motivation to be uh, sorry your motto to be seek and destroy and like seek and destroy he's like yeah i want you to seek and destroy he's like repeat it to me so he's like seek and destroy seek and destroy and um <laughs> the next day when i was i was on the bike you know i could see her in the distance she was like right in front of me you know 20 seconds ahead i was like on oh, my arabels i'm like seek and destroy seek and destroy i was like come on like stick with her you've got to stick with her and i was going that, and I remember then when I got off the bike and went into the final run, I was again, just in front of me. And I was thinking that person, that person right there is gonna stop me, not only like not only getting the gold medal from age group, but becoming overall world champion. I was like, she is gonna stop me. And it was like, 
it was just playing through my head and I know I didn't get to her and I think it did just come down to physical at that point I was just like dead but um I wonder what was going through her head yeah well she said to me afterwards that she was pet she said like it was such a good race she said I knew you were on my tail the whole way um but yeah it was like you know they were the kind of things that I had to say to myself during the race because if I had got on the bike and gone oh she's gone ahead I'm never going to catch her well like it's the race is over isn't it but it was like that seek and destroy seek and destroy and I you know I was ticking off other people because there were men racing at the same time so every time I passed a guy or passed someone else that was a little confidence booster as well um and so that all helps but yeah no I, I get that I think had I gone into that race going oh yeah I'm mentally resilient but I hadn't had those things in my mind to think about then I may have just thought, oh, this race is over. I can't catch her. Whereas instead it was like, I never gave up hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and had she have slowed down a bit, I might have got it. Well, <laughs> well again, like it's, it's not um, a strength per se. What all you did was you just shifted your perspective. Yeah. That was yeah. It. it. Oh my God. Yes. Like now you've said that, that's like really that's um sorry just triggered something in my head i was listening to so this is this was an insight from one of the guys who drives the car in the time trials for the tour de france so one of the stages of the tour de france they they do a time trial and this the coach in the car they obviously they're, they're like talking to the athletes and he said when he had a chance to speak to him this guy was in Oh, I'm not going to get this right. I'm not going to mention names because I'll probably get it wrong and somebody will pick up on it. I think this guy was in like fifth place. And, but there was one second between second and fifth place. Like that's how tight it what? was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like <laughs> ridiculous. There was like seconds separating the, like the top 10 riders. And when they, when they were able to say something to him, rather than going, you're what did i say fifth place or seventh place fifth place. Se- second and fifth uh, yeah okay so when they were able to say something to him rather than saying you're in fifth place get quicker or be faster you know you, you you're gonna have to work harder here because you're in fifth place they came on and said to him you're 1.7 seconds off of second place yeah and it was that sh- that's what a good coach can do they can shift your mindset because if they have said to him, you're in fifth, that athlete with two kilometers to go is going to go off. Oh, God, well, how far off first am I? Am my ages off or like how how close is sixth behind me? You know, it's like they almost don't know. Whereas saying to someone, you're 1.7 seconds away from a silver medal and, you know, in, in this stage, all of a sudden that athlete is going to get that burst of adrenaline and think, right. I can get 1.7 seconds easy. Let's, you know, let's go after it. And, and the guy got it. The guy got this, this, the second place. And, uh, it was, yeah, I think it was, a, I think it was another podcast with, with a coach and, and that's what he said. I was like, wow, that is such a good way. So now I say to my parents, when you're watching me, don't tell me where I am in the race. Tell me how far off I am from winning. Yeah. And so when I, when I came into my final run, my dad shouted, um, you're 20 seconds behind. And they timed when the girl had run past, they just timed on their watch at what point I came past. And so I knew, I was like, right, I've got 20 seconds to make up in a 5K. I was like, I've got this, I can do it. And that's why I'm ahead. I was like, she is, you know, she's going to take it. I mean, she did, which is really annoying. I really <laughs> wish I could like finish this story with like, yeah, and I stormed home and I got it. And unfortunately I can't, but um, 
But it, it is exactly as you say, it's shifting that mindset. Do you know what? That, that athlete didn't, wasn't any more mentally resilient than the, the athlete who came third. He was just given the right tools to go, right, I, I, can, I can do it. Exactly. And you're all in peak physical condition. Like yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. it really does come down to um, a, a mindset shift and, and which can give you an activation in energy um, and drive. Yeah. And yeah. do you know what? It all boils down to just positive thinking. Um, mm. That is one of the be, biggest key predictors of mental strength. And do you know what? Do you know what? I, I don't think it's a, a key predictor of mental strength. Personally, I feel that is what po- mental strength is. It's a mm-hmm. positive. It's again, going back to the challenge It's seeing challenge. Um, problems as challenges Challenge, yeah. rising to it um seeing the pot if everyone if when you if you're constantly being bombarded bombarded with negative uh, vibes and comments and put downs it's going to smash your motivation mm. you're, you're not going to want to do anything um so yeah and the, physically you haven't changed nothing about your body has changed it is just the way you perceive what's in front of you yeah yeah now, now you put it like that it is it is just um a lot of it is just positive thinking not putting yourself down not being too hard on yourself and then we go back to um when we were saying like from from our perspectives that females suffer more with lack of confidence and self-belief and i i wish i could just tell them it's just it's just a shift. Well, tell it. Tell anyone. You know, it's not a female problem. It's not exclusive. It's, it's men as well. Men have these problems. It's just a shift in your perspective. It's just. Yeah. That's why it's not necessarily a strength. This is what I'm trying to get across now. It's not necessarily a strength. You can work it, but. Yeah. It's just a perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's what I mean. I, I, I don't have a bottle of motivation next to my bed, but I, but it's, it's, it's just that you've got to have positive thoughts and really believe that you can do it and um and yeah keep keep your goal in mind but as you say just just positive thinking about the whole thing believe you can do it how do you maintain a healthy well-being kathy um probably it's not true um in what sense so i suppose like um i suppose uh, a mental balance how do you manage stress and pressure it, like i'll give you some examples from mine and hope you, maybe you'll get it but yeah. like it's um do you partake in any mindful activities you know so you've had a tough day in work how do you unwind how do you unwind? what there we are perfect how do you unwind do you how like do to socialize do you like to do you like to garden do you, <laughs> do you like to hula hoop do you like to go on walks do you listen to music i um, love hula hooping i wish you could do that to stress relief after work <laughs> just gonna do a yeah 20 minutes on hula. <laughs> um socializing 100 i'm definitely a social butterfly love love to chat love to see my friends um so yeah that's a big one and actually like with my instagram and stuff i just have thousands of people to constantly chat to now uh so that takes up a lot of my time um but i would say it's really bad right because i think you a lot of people probably want to hear me say oh you need that downtime and you need me time i actually don't have a lot of that uh i'm one of these people that is like every minute has to be productive but it it does take its toll uh i don't know if i'm really getting into it i watch rubbish tv um 
uh, my career, I produce documentaries. So it's like, you'd think I'd go home and watch really good films or really good documentaries, but actually I just like switching off completely and watching just reality TV. Um, uh, yeah, I tend to switch off from that. I think stress relief for me is my exercise. Uh, definitely. Like if I'm super stressed and I go for a run, I'll run really well. Cause it's almost like it's sort of radiating off of me. Um, and then I'd say one thing that I have really loved, I, I think you touched on it about the mindfulness is yoga and in particular hot pod yoga. And I'm not, I am an ambassador for hot pod yoga Northwich, but I'm not just saying it because I'm an ambassador. I have been going to hot pod for years before I became an ambassador. And there's just something about stepping into this like warm, dark, lovely pod. And it's like, you get in there and it's just all about you. And what I never knew about yoga, which I've learned very recently, is the reason it's so good for your mind is because you actually can't think about anything else whilst you're doing yoga, but your body. So when, when you're trying to do a really difficult position, you're thinking, right, concentrate on that spot because I need to keep my balance. Oh, my, my foot's shaking a bit. Try and solve that. Move my right arm. And without even knowing it, your brain is thinking about every part of your body. And it's all about, right, how can I do this position and hold my balance and keep that strength going? And that's why at the end of yoga, you feel so good because for a whole hour, you've been so in tune with your own body and your own thoughts and nothing else has crept in. And there's some days where like, I, like, I mean, you could speak to my friends. I, I literally come into the hot pod yoga and I'm either I'm in tears or I'm in stress. Or I'm super buzzing. and like got all this adrenaline pumping through me. Like this week when I uh, came back with the, the medal, it was like, ah, and I went into the pod. I was like, how am I going to calm down? I don't think I, I can be calm enough to do yoga right now. And it's so like, you know, very quickly you control your breathing, slow everything down and you just in your own head for it and you come out and you're like, oh, I feel amazing. And so I'd say like, I do that once a week and it's become like a, a very big thing for me. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say like those sweet, like seeing people, reality TV and a bit of yoga. And I think my head is, and holidays, of course, everyone's got to have a holiday every now and again. Well, um, yeah, which has been taken away from us for the last two years. It is, it is I know. Like, like, I, went, I actually went straight to Barcelona after the World Champs because I, I just thought I, I know I'll need that, um, oh. you know, like, like place to just like sort of be, be free, like step away from work, step away from training and just be in Barcelona for a few days. And yeah, that was, that was really good. I think you've got to have those sorts of things to look forward Definitely. to. Well, it, I find uh, what you're saying about the yoga um, and just like just being with yourself and in tune with your body and not thinking about the outside world. I think in these modern times, we're so plugged in to the mainframe yeah. constantly. There's input. Const I don't know about you, but I think I stare at a screen probably 90 percent of my day. Um, oh, easy. So, so to have those uh, that hour where you, you haven't got your phone in your hand, you're, you know, you're not being hounded by other stresses and pressures work commitments family commitments just an hour to yourself i think like honestly it's so important because if you don't yeah. get that break things can really build yeah <laughs> and, and uh, you know you don't want to go take have that for too long because you could end up snapping you know uh, so it's really important and i've i've snapped a few times <laughs> uh but yeah like the yoga this year has been has been unbelievable for me and I, that's why I'm actually so proud to be like an ambassador for them as well, because um, like, you know, alongside Rockman, 
because second, second to Rockman. <laughs> it's like it's like a good I, I guess like Rockman, you come into I, I've got you in my head when I'm in the gym and I'm like getting the ball <laughs> and like slamming it on the ground and like doing all of that. And then when I'm in yoga, it's like a complete switch off to all of that. Um but yeah, I just like you say, I think it's so important. I don't know what it is about the, the pods, but honestly, you just you like transported into another world. And I think because the lights are dimmed down, you know, I've done yoga outside of the pod and it is not the same. I don't get the same effects from it. But when you're in that pod and the lights are turned down, you, you're not even seeing anyone else in the class. Because again, I think when I first started going, I was like, I don't know how to do yoga. I can't do it. I'm not flexible. And you think like, oh, everyone's watching me. You worry about like your leggings being see-through or like, you know, silly little things like that. And rather than thinking about the position you're doing or stretching a bit further or controlling your breathing, you're thinking, can the woman see my polka dot knickers behind me? Do you know what I mean? And like, whereas in the pod, it's like everything's dimmed down. It's like this, like music's on and they like put um, like scents in there. So it smells really nice and oh, it's just this like really lovely environment. And then, yeah, you get into the yoga and you are not thinking about anyone. You're not looking at anyone else. You're just all in your own like on your mat in your own world and it's yeah it's brilliant i think you've sold it to me i'll do it i'll do it <laughs> i think there's one in cardiff actually i'll i'll, I'll take Maybe. a look buddy pricey though isn't it? it's like 10 pound a time or something yeah but you can do like intro offers and taste the sessions ah, true. I'll, I'll turn up one week like me and the next week i'll have a mustache on and pretend i'm someone new get, the next, <laughs> get another free episode to session um, <laughs> What does the future hold for Kathy Stringer then? What's next? Um, I've been asked this a lot recently and um, I would say I just want to have a bit more fun with everything. So this year for me has been very intense. It's like a lot has gone on in my personal life. Um, you know, I've like uprooted to Cheshire, was living in Bristol and that was a big change. Um, I'm working from home. Like my, my job slightly changed, like so much has happened. And then alongside that, I've had like race after race after race, and it's been very intense. And I remember when I finished the national champs, which were back in like April, and my coach was like, yeah, enjoy a glass of champagne. And then my Insta on my Instagram, I posted me having a glass of champagne and then another one and another one. And he messaged me again, like not too many. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's rubbish. Like, I just want to enjoy myself. Like I've just become national champion. Like this is amazing. I was like on this high. And all of a sudden it was like, no, no, but you know, in four more weeks, you've got this race. And then after that, you've got this race. And it was like, I just never felt like I could fully enjoy the moment. And actually looking back, that national race was the best I, well, I think part for the world, that was the best I've raced. I kind of got a PB. Um, yeah, I, I just achieved loads in that race that I never expected. And I wish I'd sort of enjoyed myself a bit more. So I think going forwards to this year, I don't want that just succession of like, after that, you've got this, after that, you've got this, and it's all very intense and make sure your diet's good and this is good and, you know, sacrifice birthdays and everything else. I just, whilst I'm at this age and I'm this fit, I want to do a few more challenges. So actually I've never been able to do a full Rockman challenge. I think no. I did three weeks of one at the beginning of this year. You missed out by one challenge. I know, and I had to miss out because my training was so rigorous. It was like, no, you can't possibly replace your session with that because it'll ruin this or ruin that. You know, that's like how specific my training plan was. Um, so like this year I want to do a Rockman challenge. I want to earn my first pit. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like you're pipless, man. I know, I'm pipless. I need yeah. pick. I need this to be like full of them. I'm like, you know, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I want to do that. I want to do so. Like me and my friend are planning a La Jog Lands End to John O'Groats trip on our bikes. Um, I want to try. So there's a bit like how you've got Iron Man for triathlon. You've got the Power Man for duathlon. So it's longer distance. So I'd really like to try a Power Man duathlon this year. Um, and uh, you know, maybe maybe an ultra marathon. Uh, I want to try and get into the London Marathon. I want to get a half marathon PB. Uh, I mean, there's me being like, oh, I don't want race after race. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am. That's probably be about fifty weekends, isn't it? You've just filled um, the calendar up, yeah. I know. Uh, that's the problem with me. I want to do it all now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just just have more fun. Like, if I can't make a session because it's my mate's birthday and I'm in London celebrating with the girls. I, I don't want to have to text my coach saying, I'm really sorry, I can't do it because of this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, it, the hardest thing is, is as I said, that month up to the world champs, I was thinking, I hate this. And my friend, mess, uh, my friend and I went out to Manchester weekend and she was laughing at me because she said, I wish I'd have recorded you saying what you said, because she said, I was this close to just pulling the plug. She was like, you look depressed. You looked exhausted. You looked like you were just hating life. And she was like, I just I just wanted to pull the plug on it all and tell you that you didn't need to do it. And then at the weekend when we were out, she was like, please tell me you're just resting now. I was like, oh no, I'm doing the National and British Champs in March and April. And then I'm doing London to John O'Groats in end of April. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Oh, and I think I'm gonna double the distance of the duathlons I've been doing and go for the power. <laughs> and she was like, what? <laughs> what is wrong with you yeah it's, it's funny it's like when when you when you achieve what you uh or like almost achieve what you set out to do and like the race is done you forget about all the months of slog and grafting mm-hmm. it's like you i've got this now so oh just wipe myself in the face i've got this it's like none of that matters anymore because I, I i've got it and like what a great you know the elation of winning this medal and standing on that podium and everything just surpasses any pain i had before and you forget about it all. And then now you're like, yeah, I'll do it all over again. And women say the same about giving birth. It's like the time, you're like, I'll never do this again. And then, you know, you forget it. And you just yeah. have a beautiful child and you think, I want another one. And, yeah. um, and I'd say that's the closest I can describe it. It's like when my friends are like, but you hate it. I'm like, no, but I don't. I just hated that little bit. And now I really want to do it all over again. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you, would you yeah. do the world then? Is the, would you um, aim for the worlds again or are you moving on to pastors new? So, good question. I think I, d- I definitely want to go back and do the world at some point. I really do want the gold medal. I've got a bronze and a silver now, so I need to complete the collection. Um, but maybe not next year. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's too much. I think um, I've actually I've got I've got a new job, uh, which um, congratulations. Thank you. So I actually found out yesterday, and I'm starting that in January. And so that's going to be a big change for me. I'm probably going to be moving back down to Bristol. Like, you know, quite a lot of stuff is going to be going on alongside my training. And I just don't want that pressure from every side. I don't want the pressure of like, you've started a new job, you've got to do this. You've got to get a new car. You've got to train hard. It's like, if I, if in January, I think, you know, I've got to work on my career right now, then my training has got to take a back seat. Um, And I don't want to make myself feel guilty for that or, put too much pressure on but if you know I've, I've automatically qualified for the world championships next year so um because of my placing so if i go along for a jolly 
yeah, at the last I, minute. If I feel like I want to go and it's in a cool place, then yeah. Oh, Kathy, just let yourself go. Get really fat and just squeeze yourself into that leotard and just turn <laughs> up on the start line. <laughs> what, time, what time are you starting? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, it's funny. And so a few people have said to me, like, am I going to go elite? Like a lot of people think that I'm capable and got the potential to go elite. But my God, that is like another step up. It's, um, yeah, that re you really have, you know, my coach said to me, you're not training right now any more than an elite athlete would, but it's everything else that's got to give. Um, like the only difference between me and an elite or me and a professional is rest. I've, you've yeah. got to give yourself that time to rest. And so if you've got a job, if you want to go out and socialize, if you want to do all that little stuff, you know, that's, that's what you've got to give. And I think at my age and stuff, I, I'm quite happy trying to balance the two. I don't think I want to give up my life to, to, to go and yeah. do this place. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you've got your priorities and it's, it's good. You concentrate on yourself and your health and your well-being this year. It'd be, it'd be nice to see, because I know how stressful the last yeah. two years were, uh, were for you. Oh. It's, it, you know, it makes me proud to see you sitting there with the, the medal. Right. It was all oh. worth it. It was all worth it. It was. It, it was so, so worth it. Yeah. yeah. I'd do it, honestly, I'd do it all again to, to get it. Yeah, it's, it's great. I can't wait till I have um, like my own pain cave. And this is like a terminology that cyclists use, like where your, your turbo is and stuff, and you call it your pain cave. And like so many people have these really great pain caves where they've got all their medals hanging up and all their race numbers. And right now I just train in a garage in the freezing cold with my <laughs> toolboxes around me. And I can't wait till I've got somewhere to hang these up and actually look at them every day and be really sort of proud of what I've achieved. No, Kathy, Kathy, keep it rough and raw. Spit and sawdust. <laughs> as soon as you make it comfortable for yourself, you're going to lose that edge. Okay? Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah, you stay in the garage. You let, you let <laughs> the other people get soft in their, you know, air-conditioned side <laughs> gyms and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, Kathy, where can people find you if they want to follow you and your progress and your adventures? Um, so the best place uh, to find me is Instagram and my handle is stringer underscore run, but stringer take out all the vowels. So it's S-T-R-N-G-R -R underscore run. Don't ask me why. It's just something I came up with at the time. Um, and yeah, my, everything's on there. Um, and I've got, yeah, my vlog from the World Championships. I'll be uploading to IGTV very soon, hopefully. Um, there's plenty of reels, stories. Yeah, it's all on there. Cracking. Kathy, thank you very much. Thank you. Really thank enjoyed you. that. Thank it. you very much. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, and you've given me as much insight into a few things that, yeah, I think you actually gave more insight than I. I think I just waffled on. <laughs> but no, that, that you gave me insight and information. It's been fantastic and inspiration as well. So oh. uh, no, thank you very much. Um, good luck with all your endeavours. Thank you very much. Um, Hopefully Rockman will be right there with me. Of course we will. Of course and we will. John well, I'm, yeah, I won't be there for that. No, <laughs> uh, but I can't. I can barely. I can barely cycle. <laughs> yes, you can, Taz. One step at a time. Yeah, true. Like I'm supposed to be bloody leader of mental resilience movement. So yeah, maybe I should. I'll uh, I'll break the bike out with the stabilizers <laughs> and I'll I'll get on it. But yeah. yeah, no, thank you very much, Kathy, and we will talk soon. Ta. Bye.